Hear the word of God as it is found in the book to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter beginning at the first verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen and amen. On this day, which is traditionally called Mother's Day, we in the church like to refer to it as Family Sunday. In the future, in these days when we're so conscious of discrimination, I don't know what we'll call it, probably Parent Person Sunday. <laughs> I would like to refer you to the ancient Fifth Commandment, which is a commandment for the entire, entire family. You know, that's the one that begins, honor your father and your mother. And when you begin to study the commandment, I think we all fall into the same trap, that of believing that that is a commandment which benefits father and mother. That it is a commandment addressed only to children. Now, most of us believe in honoring father and mother, and that's right. And every civilization that has ever meant anything has learned to honor mother and father. It seems to be natural within us to do so. We all have different ways of expressing honor, but I think most of us do so under three categories. One. We believe we are honoring father and mother when we speak gratitude, words to them and about them. Two, we believe we are honoring parents when we are obedient to them, especially in the things of righteousness. And three, we are honoring them when we support them, especially in those days when in later years they fight to remain independent, and when they no longer can do so, we personally are glad to make sacrifices and allow them to become as dependent upon us as once we were upon them. I don't think anybody, not even the United States government, will argue with the fact that you should honor fathers and mothers. But it is my responsibility to point up to you and hope that you understand that this is a commandment not just for parents. Nor is it one that children are only to obey for their parents. 
but it is one of those two-edged commandments where it has benefit not only for father and mother, but for son and daughter as well. If you read very carefully the commandment, you find that this is a commandment that Paul informs us is a commandment with a promise. And the promise is not to mom and dad, it is to the children. We would like to think it says, honor your father and your mother that their days may be long, but it does not say that. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. Do you get it? Our future lives, children of God, depends how we honor our fathers and our mothers. And for those of you who are parents, I hope that you will listen very carefully. Because I think this says three things to you. One, if you really love your child and you want your child to blossom into a full, complete, and wonderful, powerfully strong life, then realize that will depend upon how he honors you. Secondly, if you really love your child and want your child to have days that are not only long in length, but full in quality, you better make sure that you give him a life honorable enough for him to honor. And three, since honor is one of those intangible concepts which is not only taught but caught and which is learned best in the home, if you want your son or your daughter to learn how to honor, you best be sure to teach him or her the meaning of honor. You see, it's one of those two-edged commandments. The honor that your son and daughter will give to you will be dependent greatly upon the honor that you are able to teach him or her today. It gets a little complicated, yet it's very, very simple. You get what you give. How does somebody, in the capacity of father or mother, teach son or daughter how to honor. This has a bearing not only upon your future life, but what is more important on that life that God has entrusted to you to raise as your son or your daughter. I want you to think very carefully and creatively with me as we try to define what it means to teach honor. And I think we'll all agree that you do not teach honor by direct command ordering somebody to honor you. It doesn't work that way. No, honor is taught through the indirect method, by the constructive way, by doing other things which add up to an understanding of honor. I'd like to say four things today which I think are the very foundation of honor. One, 
I think you honor your son and daughter when you give to them care. Now that sounds simple enough and I'm not going to elaborate on that because we are a Christian community and as Christians I think we already know how to care at least for the physical needs of our children. It wasn't always that way. When Christianity came into the world, child abandonment was not the exception but rather the rule. They did it very simply in those days. There was no stigma against it. There was no law against it. If you wanted to abandon your child, you were perfectly permitted to do so. When a child was born in either the Jewish, the Greek, or the Roman households of that day, the child was always brought to the foot of the father. And the father would stand there and look at the child, and if he would reach down and pick the child up, it meant that the child would be kept. But if he turned and walked away, the child was abandoned. Now, thank the good Lord, very few civilized countries today practice that, and that is credit to the Christian church. And if you wonder about the ineffectiveness of the Christian church, this is one good mark that you can put down for the effectiveness, because the fact that many people no longer practice that particular abandonment of children is a compliment and a fact of the imprint and power of the Christian church through 2,000 years of history. I don't think we have to concentrate on trying to tell people how to care, at least for the physical, of the child that has been entrusted to you. But every time you do do that, you see you are undergirding and teaching the child how to honor. Secondly, you do it when you honor the child by disciplining him or her, by training him or her. If you are one of those very fortunate people that the world desperately needs today, an individual who is a self-starter and one who has the power to exercise self-discipline at work, at at home and at worship, you are truly a very fortunate person and I think that you will find you learned that at home. You got that concept of discipline from a disciplined father, mother, or some parent figure. As you know, I was raised in a Jewish community and I often say the Lord raised me in Squirrel Hill for a reason. And I think it was to learn from some of those people. And one of the great things that I've always enjoyed about the Jewish people is the belief that they have always had that a parent must teach a child two things. One, a trade, and secondly, the law. They do not take citizenship very lightly. And they feel it is the responsibility not of the school, nor even of the rabbi, but of the parents. They have a saying, he who teaches his son or his child a, a trade teaches him well, and he who teaches not his son or daughter a trade teaches him or her to steal. They do not give up easily their parental responsibilities and praise God for them. 
They are individuals who do not count on guidance counselors and psychological testing only, but who feel the parent has a right and a responsibility to discipline his or, own, his or her own child and to help them to get started in some profession or trade. They guide. And I think the Lord blesses because a parent honors a child when he teaches the child discipline. I think many of us fear that the child will not like us. That's not true. A child is born with that ability to be able to accept discipline and want it. Hebrews 12, chapter 6, verse. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And if a child wants to feel unloved, all you have to do is forget about discipline. We need to hear that. It's hard to do, yes. Just as when sometimes an arm is broken, we never like to put the child through temporary pain, but we do so with regret, but we do so convinced that the child now will not grow up to be a physical cripple. Well, sometimes it takes pain to discipline so the child does not grow to be a moral cripple. We need to hear that. And parents need especially to hear it because you have a tremendous responsibility in this area. Especially when we realize that the biggest business, the biggest business in the world and in the United States today, do you know what it is? It's crime. Crime's the biggest business in our world today. And that seems strange when not one of us can name a parent who deliberately raised his son or his daughter to become a criminal. Yet do you realize that every criminal has had a father and mother? Every criminal probably had the benefit of growing up in some type of home. And every criminal who is miserable himself and infecting misery upon innocent people came into this because some parent refused to honor his or her child with discipline. I'm sure many of you have read it before. It's a circular that is presented by the Houston Police Department of Houston, Texas. I have a copy of it. I'd like to read it. It's for parents, how to make a child into a delinquent, 12 easy rules. One, begin at infancy to give the child everything he wants. In this way, he will grow up to believe the world owes him a living. Two, when he picks up bad language, laugh at him. This will make him think he's cute. Three, never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he is 21 and then let him decide for himself. Four, avoid the use of the word wrong. It may develop a guilt complex, and this will condition him to believe later, when he is arrested for stealing a car, that society is against him and he is being persecuted. Five, pick up everything he leaves lying around, books, shoes, clothes. Do everything for him so that he will be experienced in throwing all responsibility on others. 
6. Let him read any printed matter he can get his hands on. Be careful that the silverware and drinking glasses are sterilized, but let him mind, let his mind feast on garbage. 7. Quarrel frequently in the presence of your children, and this the way they will not be too shocked when the home is broken up later. 8. Give a child all the spending money he wants. Never let him earn his own. Why should he have things as tough as you had them? 9. Satisfy his every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensual desire is gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustration. 10. Take his part against neighbors, teachers, policemen. They are prejudiced against your child. 11. When he gets into real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. And 12. Prepare for a life of grief. You'll be likely to have it. That's it. You teach a child honor when you honor him with discipline. Three, you teach him honor when you give encouragement. Encouragement, and this is very important because sometimes you see there's a form of discipline which breaks, not builds up. Martin Luther, one of the great fathers of the Protestant movement, never liked to call God Father because it always brought to him an ugly resemblance of his own earthly father who was so severe and strict. You see, you can overdo this thing if there's not encouragement, and Luther knew it, and that's why he said, yes, spare the rod and you'll spoil the child, but beside the rod, make sure there's an apple to give him when he does well. Whether it's in the physical world or in human nature, the principle is always the same. A flower never comes into bloom without light, and an individual's life will never come into fruition without the sunlight of encouragement. A continuous east wind of criticism will blight any nature. Always, always criticism must be counterbalanced with encouragement on the scale of teaching honor. I like the way Paul puts it, not only here in the book of Ephesians, but in Colossians. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Or as the New English Bible puts it, Fathers, do not exasperate your children for fear they grow disheartened. No, always, always you honor the child, not when you throw away discipline, but when you always counteract praise with criticism. Praise alone will bring about an ugly self-conceit, but criticism alone will bring about only a broken self-despair. But the two together, balancing one another, teach honor. And four, and this probably is the toughest one, you honor a child when you give to him or her the respect of a person. The respect of a person. It's very easy, I notice, 
for some people to treat their children as things instead of beings. When you have a precocious child who is so bright, it's so easy to begin to treat him or her as a thing to be exhibited so everybody can be blessed with the honor of such a great mind. When you have a child that is very spoiled, it's so easy to think of him or her as something to be placated just to keep him or her quiet. A stern and well-meaning parent can think of a child as merely something to control and to keep out of trouble. A wise, wise, God-fearing parent will treat his or her child as a person to be respected. A person who has a mind, but a mind that does not have all the answers. A individual who has learned much and from whom much can be learned, but still who needs to learn an awful lot. An individual who, yes, ought to be able to put into the conversation, but should not be allowed to control the whole conversation. An individual who, no matter how much he looks and acts like you, is not now and never will be you. An individual who you will not rob him or her of childhood, but when they grow up, you won't demand they remain a captive to your home. An individual who will fully never understand you as you, no matter how much you love him or her, will never completely understand them. That's tough. But when you do that, you teach a child to honor. What I'm saying in these four points is that you are teaching a child love. Love just does not happen. I like that old motto in a home. You should learn and be trained how to love to work, but you also ought to work at love. Love just does not happen. It happens when you join with your mate. Or if you have not a mate, you join with extra prayers to Almighty God to help this son or this daughter whom God has merely loaned to you to raise that you do it in an honorable way, teaching honor. Today is Mother's Day, and this is a day when we send cards, deliver flowers, go out for dinner, and make telephone calls. It's one of the big days for AT&T. Did you know that? They love it. And as a stockholder, I love it too. But it's more than that. This is a day to think. And when Reverend Camel completed that beautiful prayer which he led in us today, I looked out and I saw many a tear in an eye. 
Because surprisingly, this is a very difficult day for some people. I know some people that despise this day. And it's because they have to think how they treated or are treating mom and dad. And they don't like their remembrances. That's tough. And I'm not trying to ease anybody's guilt conscience or to sugar over your inadequacies, but let me say this, you know, it just might not be your fault as much as you think. Yeah, the way we have been treating our fathers and mothers, you know, depends greatly upon how our parents taught us honor. 15, 25, 35, 45, 55 years ago that process began. And some of us maybe did not honor as much as we would like because we maybe had no one to really honor or we did not know how. And we're a little bitter about it because we feel robbed of learning how to care and discipline, to be disciplined and how we were never encouraged and we never were treated as a person. There's not much we can do about that except to ask God to forgive us this is a day to think, and that's what I want you to do, because what is important is that on the other side of this wall, there are children who this very moment are fill, finishing up the gifts that they're making for you, Mom. And at home, there's some kids still sleeping in bed because you thought you were doing a loving thing by not requiring them to get up and get out here and come with you. There are children out there who 15, 25, 35, 55 years from now will be sitting right where we are having some of the same feelings of regret. We can prevent that by today deciding definitely that the future of our children depends upon the honor we show them and we teach them and we are to them today. He who has ears to hear let him hear so that this Mother's Day does not die in vain. Amen. <coughs> Father, you've been very kind to us. And though we differ in the amount of money we make, in the houses that we live in, in the cars that we drive, each one of us has had a mother. Father, each one of us can have a home no matter how big or how small. And Father, each one of us can still learn. Help us, Father, parents and children. As a family, we try to obey your command. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and your home. 
so that it's a place of honor today and forever. Amen.